mother-in-law got a hold of us a few weeks ago, and she said, uh, when I come out to Colorado, um, my mother-in-law is in her 80s now, she said, I'd really like to have like a separate place in your, your house kind of deal. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to send a check with Elizabeth so you can buy an RV to put in your backyard. Okay, sounds great, except I don't know anything about RVs. I'm totally ignorant. I'm totally clueless. I don't know what I'm buying. I don't know what to look for. I don't know what leaks, where leaks are found. I don't know what I, so we've been given this task of buying an RV with a blank check. Maybe you're envious of that. Maybe you're like, yeah, baby, kind of deal. It's, it's got a limit on it, but it raises certain levels of stress, right? These decisions that come along, we want to know what's a good decision. How do we do this? What's the right thing to buy? What if I buy the wrong thing? Will mother-in-law be angry? Probably not. She's a nice lady. But you see the issue, and, and we look at life, and we come to life with the decisions never stop, do they? Uh, we, you have decisions this week I'm sure you're going to make that maybe aren't the easiest decisions. There's small decisions. There's large decisions. We want to know how to make godly decisions. Today we're talking about decision-making and the will of God. How do we make good decisions? Uh, since the beginning of time, a, a culture, society, throughout the world have come up with all different ways of divining the will of God. And, and if you, I mean, I, I even uh, this week was looking at a website, how to read tea leaves. Seriously, there's websites, there's ancient wisdom in reading tea leaves. And then there's hundreds of other ways that humans have decided that they're going to go about predicting the future, finding out the future. And, and we can understand human nature here, can't we? Uh, we want to know what the future holds so we can make good decisions because we know if we make bad decisions, it could hurt. If we, if we make bad choices, there could be terrible things that come about, or at least frustrating things, if not terrible things. Uh, Around, around the world, people study the stars. They, they look at the sky and they try to divine, well, if that planet's in line with that, that uh, part of the sky, then it must mean this. The horoscopes are everywhere. Uh, in some cultures, uh, even today, there's groups of people that take animal bones and they, they write a, a, a saying on the bone, then they burn the bone, and depending on how the bone cracks, they say, this is how we're going to move into the future. People watch the birds in the skies. People open up animals and look at their entrails to try to see if God, the gods have defined a certain way to go. Should we plant the crops now? Shall we go to war? Shall we make peace? All kinds of different ways that people have tried to find out how they should live. We as Christians, <laughs> we know that there's a living God. We know that God is and that God loves us. God's brought us into his family by his grace. Certainly, he wants to communicate to us, doesn't he? Certainly, he cares about us, doesn't he? Certainly, he would tell us how to go, how to live, how to make decisions. Would God tell John and Elizabeth which RV to buy? Let's talk about it today. Please open your Bibles to Acts. At the book of Acts, Acts chapter 
Uh, we're we're going to go to chapter 15, verse 36. Acts 15, verse 36. Decision-making in the will of God. How do we as Christians make good decisions? Does God reveal a specific will to us on what to do, even in the smallest of things? Big questions, big, big discernment here about God's will and our lives. Uh, this, this season of life, of course, uh, college students are graduating, high school seniors are graduating. There's big things happening. Decisions have to be made. Where to move, where to live, who to marry, et cetera, et cetera. How do we make good decisions? Uh, we're picking up from a, a, a long narrative here that's, that's ongoing with Paul and Barnabas. But so if you look at verse 15, chapter 15, verse 36. After some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let's return and visit the brothers in every city where you proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Uh, and, and just to give some backstory, for those of you who maybe haven't been here, haven't been tracking with us as we move through the scriptures, uh, Paul and Barnabas were uh, leaders in the church of Antioch, Antioch, Syria. They were given positions of authority, but there was a certain season and time where they were praying with other leaders, and the Holy Spirit uh, told the church to set aside Paul and Barnabas to be missionaries, to go to uh, other, cult, other, other places around the Mediterranean. They ended up going to Cyprus, where Barnabas was born, where he grew up, and then they went into what is now modern-day Turkey, the central part of Turkey. God sent them out to share the gospel, share the word of God with people who hadn't heard the word of God before. And for a year or two, they did just that. They, they traveled through Cyprus, they went into Turkey, they, they shared the gospel with Jew and, and, and Gentile. People came to the Lord, people were converted, people were saved. Churches were planted, and it was a great season. Uh, after a while, they came back to Antioch, uh, where they are now, and uh, they reported to the church, yeah, God did this through us, God did that, God accomplished this. But now some time has passed, and, and the Apostle Paul Maybe, maybe it's springtime. Maybe the roads are drying up. Maybe, you know, the storms are clearing and, and it's like he's ready to hit the road. Let's go and return and visit the brethren. Let's go and encourage the churches. Let's go reach out to those uh, people that came to Christ. Let's, let's strengthen them in the Lord. So we don't know how long it's been, maybe another year in Antioch, but verse, uh, verse uh, 38, uh, verse 37. Now Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark. Remember that John Mark, the, the author of the Gospel of Mark, as a younger man, he abandoned Paul and Barnabas on that first missionary journey. He left them. He went back to Antioch in the middle of the, of the mission. Barnabas, his cousin Barnabas, wants to uh, bring him along on the trip. But, verse 38, Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia, a, a certain region a certain town on, on southern coast of Turkey, had not gone with him uh, to do the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from one another. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers uh, to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. It's a, it's a fascinating moment in church history again because two uh, solid leaders, two mature men of God, can't agree. It is a moment of failure for these men. They, they can't come together. They can't agree. They're in such a sharp disagreement that they end up separating. Now, God uses it, as God often does. 
in our mistakes and our failures and in our, in our uh, failure to communicate, our failure to reconcile, uh, he made two missionary teams out of one. We don't, we don't hear any more of Barnabas and John Mark in terms of their mission journeys. Later on, Mark becomes a companion of Paul, and they, they form a relationship again. But, we, but God uses it, is, is what I'm getting at. God, God moves them to the place of mission and service, even though they, they didn't reconcile. They made a decision here, and it's probably a poor decision in some ways. But then again, the fruit of it, uh, we see that there's been some good decision. It was a good decision because of what came out of it. But uh, we start here by looking at uh, Paul uh, and Barnabas. Where do you see revelation from God here? Where do you see God telling them what to do? Where do you see prayer? Where do you see them seeking out the will of God? Uh, you don't. Now, that could be because Luke, in a summary way, he doesn't report it. Okay? Maybe they pray over everything. As Paul tells us in Philippians, pray over everything. Pray about everything. Maybe, so presumably they did, but it's not reported here. Uh, Paul apparently gets this idea, it comes into his mind, maybe the Holy Spirit gave it, maybe God gave it, let's go, let's go back to the churches, let's go, let's go serve, let's go minister to them, and Barmas agreed. And so it seems like just upon their own volition, their own deciding, their own choosing, they're going back to the mission field. And so, so, they, so they move out, and, and we have questions about that, man, because uh, that's a big deal. You're, you're giving, they're going to be gone for another year or two. They're, they're, they're moving into a, a realm of, of danger again. Remember on the first missionary journey, they tried to kill Paul. They tried to kill these guys. And they're going back. It's not a light decision. It's not like buying an RV or something like that. It's a big decision. And, they, they, and you know, it, it's kind of strange to me, you know, when I read it, like, where is their seeking out of the Lord? Where, where, where are they seeking the leading of the Holy Spirit, et cetera, et cetera? Uh, so let's continue on as we raise this question about uh, decision-making in the will of God. Uh, chapter 16, verse 1. So uh, Paul came to Derby. Now, uh, the, Paul, uh, Barnabas and, and Mark went uh, by boat to Cyprus, but Paul goes north from Antioch, uh, north and west on a land route. He goes from, from Syria into Turkey, and he goes back to those same towns where they tried to kill him. He goes back to that same town where they stoned him, and everyone thought he was dead. Uh, he went, went back to Lystra, and a disciple was there named Timothy. Now, you know Timothy. Uh, Paul wrote two letters. We have two books of the Bible written to Timothy, 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. And so here is where we meet Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but all, his father was a Greek. Okay? Uh, now, that's kind of a big deal back in the day. He, went, he was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium, uh, certain towns where they had visited before and they planted churches. Uh, the churchers are saying, that, hey, this Timothy guy's got something together. Now, Timothy's probably a teenager here, or maybe he's 20, maybe he's 21, right? right in the, he's, so, he's, so he's a young guy. Uh, Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him. He's already got Silas. Remember, Silas came from Jerusalem, and probably an elder in the Jerusalem church. He's brought the edict from the Jerusalem council from chapter 15 of Acts. And Silas is traveling with, with Paul, but they want Timothy as a helper. He took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew his father was a Greek. Now, some, uh, there's a lot of decisions being made here. <laughs> there's a lot of big decisions. When you choose somebody to travel with you, maybe, maybe some of you have work trips. Maybe some of you go places where you travel with different people. It's a big deal who you're working with. It's a big deal who you're hoteling with, as it were. Now, he's picking up Timothy, and maybe it's going to be a year or two that he's traveling with this guy. A big decision. A big decision. 
And he says a decision to Timothy. Hey, you know, because you're uh, your mother Eunice and your grandmother Lois, uh, you know, they're Jewish. Um, your father was a Greek. The places where we're going to be traveling, uh, the Jewish people aren't going to respond well to that because they know that you're Jewish and they know that you're not circumcised. I don't know how they would know that. <laughs> don't ask me if there's a check at the border or something. Um, uh, but they, it was a big deal, apparently, that uh, they, they, they had to figure that out. And so Paul makes a decision, hey, Timothy, let's get you circumcised so that there's no problem sharing the gospel with the Jewish people. Now, you recall in the last few weeks, we talked about salvation. Uh, it's by faith alone and Jesus Christ alone, not by works of the law. It's not Jesus plus this. It's not Jesus plus that. It's by faith alone. And so Paul argued against Hey, there, there's people out there trying to make you get circumcised to be saved. And, and yet here he talks about, hey, Timothy, let's get you circumcised. He's against the works of the law in terms of earning salvation or getting saved by your works. But when it comes to doing ministry, when it comes to uh, bringing the gospel to people, when it comes to uh, serving people, it's like whatever's prudent, whatever makes sense, Whatever, whatever is spiritually expedient, let's do that. Okay, so Timothy, you can imagine maybe you're 19 or 20 years old and this, this, uh, this, this grumpy kind of Paul guy, he's probably 50 right now, kind of my age, maybe I'm a little bit older than him. He says, Timothy, guess what? You're going with me and we're going to circumcise you tonight. I'm going to do it. You know, Paul, and you got to laugh at this because what was the thorn in Paul's flesh? A lot of people think he had bad eyesight. Right? And, and he's the rabbi who's going to do the circumcision. So let your mind go there. Uh, think about Timothy, this young man, right? Uh, it's a wild deal. But Paul says, you know what? The gospel's so important, and I know that you're a godly man, and I know that you want to serve the Lord. And so let's do this. Let's make the this decision. And Timothy says, yes. Right? He wants to serve the Lord no matter what. He doesn't want to get anything in the way of the Lord and serving the Lord and honoring the Lord and seeing people worship the Lord, come to faith in Jesus Christ. So, so he does. And, and it just, some of these things are just, this just amazing that you read about. So uh, they did that. And at verse 4, as they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and the elders who were in Jerusalem. So back in, in Acts 15, the, the apostles said, hey, we're not going to make it hard for the, the Gentiles to be saved, right? Uh, and it's just a gospel. And here's some things to get along with each other. We talked about the food laws and strangling of the, of the meat and draining the blood and not drinking blood and sexual immorality, of course. He, t he tells them that. We, we went through that. So they went back through the towns and the cities. Silas is with them, a representative from that council. And they're bringing the edict, as it were, the written, the written saying, Hey, no, you don't have to be circumcised. You don't have to become a Jew to be saved. And Silas is giving that verbally. And it says, another progress report. As you studied Acts, as you read through Acts, you're going to see again and again progress reports. So it says, so the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in numbers daily. So that's, that's a celebration, right? Paul's initial idea of going to visit the churches was to strengthen the brethren. Let's see how they are. Let's encourage them. And you might remember that before Paul went to the, the, the council in Jerusalem, right, he wrote the letter of Galatians 
to these people because there were false teachers in the midst saying, Judaizers, as Paul calls them, Judaizers, Judaizers they were teaching, yeah, you have to follow all the Jewish laws. You have to, you have to obey them to be, to be saved. And so the letter of Galatians went to these people. And so he's visited these people. He wanted to encourage them. And it's happened. As a result, the churches, and this is over a course of a year or two, all these churches are strengthened. They're built up, right? And the word of God increased. The, the, the gospel went forth. And, and people were saved. Very effective. Like, I, I hope that when I buy that RV, it's effective. It, 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 that my decisions lead to good ends and good outcomes. Paul's decision to go, and hopefully Barnabas and Mark as well, but Paul's decision to go with Silas and then pick up Timothy, it turned out very well. It had good outcomes, good ends, right? Uh, and that, when we talk about what is wisdom... It's to know the right ends, the right, the right outcomes, and wisdom is also the, the ability to know how to get there, to achieve the right ends, to achieve the right outcomes. They're, they've done very well here, according to the progress report from Luke. But again, we look at these decisions, and there's not a lot of spirituality here, as it were. There, there's, not, there's not a lot of, uh, of all-night prayer meetings or, or a lot of... <clears throat> You know, oh, what should we do? What should we do? It's like they're, 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 they have the freedom to make these decisions, and they're making them. But then we get to verse 6, chapter 16, verse 6. And they went through the region of Regia and Galatia. Uh, these are prov Roman proven provinces in, 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 in the western part of, of the, the middle and the western part of modern-day Turkey, if you can imagine in your mind having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Now, that's not like Asia, like Philippines or China. This is another province. In the western part of Turkey, it's a province called Asia back in the day. When they had came to Myasia, uh, they, they attempted to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Bithynia is on the southern coast of the Black Sea, kind of northern Turkey. Uh, so we have here, the Spirit didn't let them, let them go into Asia, in the western and southern part of Turkey, the Spirit didn't let them go to the northern part of, of Turkey as in our modern-day understanding of, of geography. The Spirit is leading and directing and guiding in strong ways, forbidding them to do this, forbidding them to go there. You know, there, there are these missionaries who have been sent out, and the Spirit is making things clear. Don't, don't we all want that? <laughs> Most of the time we do. Especially in times of decision-making. God, tell me to buy that 2006 Keystone RV or tell me to buy the 2017 blah, blah, blah. I want direction. I want a gold-plated embossed letter from heaven. Drawn, thou shalt. <laughs> right? You want that too in your decisions. Like, should I take this job? Should I quit this job? Should I get married to her? We want that letter to say, marry the girl. <laughs> We want the Holy Spirit to say, do it, right? We, we want that clear, precise, decisive direction. Does God give that? Well, in this case, he did, and it goes a little farther. It says, uh, so passing by Mysia, uh, they went down to Troas. Uh, it's, a, it's a port city on the, the western coast, right by the Aegean Sea. The, across the Aegean Sea is Greece. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia, this is, that's another province in, in, in the Roman system, northern Greece. 
a man from northern Greece was standing there urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. So Paul has this vision of, of this God-given vision, apparently, of this man saying, hey, come and help us. In other words, come and share the gospel here. Come and bring the good news of Jesus Christ to us. And through history, there's been a lot of guesses as to what Paul saw and what he understood. But look at the, the outcome. When Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia. Now, this, this is where Luke, the author of Acts, apparently enters the scene. Suddenly, it's not Paul doing things, it's we. So we think that this is where Luke came into the story. Uh, maybe he, he came and, and met with him at Tros, and we, we don't know the backstory there. But it's now we. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we saw to go into the Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. <laughs> and I, I love this, this, uh, this, this direct communication, right? Tell me what to do, God. Tell me where to go, God. Here I am. I will follow you. Send me where you want to send me. Tell me who to love, and I'll love them. You know, tell me who to serve, and I'll serve them. You know, send me to Philippines, send me to China, send me to Birmingham, England, send me to South Africa, send me wherever you want, just tell me. Uh, we, uh, we see in, the, in the, this text, and uh, 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 admittedly, it's a small sample size, we see this wild swing from these, these leaders of the church, even an apostle, making decisions without a lot of, apparently a lot of prayer, a lot of... Uh, guidance by the Spirit, and then this radical shift where the Spirit is actively a direct revelation of God. Don't go there. Don't go there. And, and giving him a vision. Uh, it, it's, 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 a, it's a kind of a, a wild deal here. We believe that God does lead his people. We, we believe that God does direct our path. But what does it look like? What, what, how should we understand it? Uh, Back to Philippians, uh, I, I can't remember exactly in chapter 4, but it says pray about everything. And maybe it's, I, I can't remember the verse, but pray about everything. Uh, let me ask you, um, I, I have a confession to make this morning. Um, when I went to my sock drawer this morning, and I looked in that drawer, I did not pray about what socks to wear. I, I confess that freely. I didn't ask God if I should wear this shirt or another shirt. I... You know, and obviously, I don't have a lot of style. I don't have a lot of taste. Maybe some of you are better at that. But, but show of hands, uh, how many of you prayed over what socks you were going to wear to church this morning or whether you're going to wear socks or not? Man, what a bunch of sinners. <laughs> you didn't pray about that? Pray about everything. Uh, uh, really, in, in the spiritual life, Boy, if we stop to pray about everything, should I, should I go, when driving to work this morning, should I take that route or that route? I'm going to sit at the stop sign. Which way should I go, Lord? <laughs> if we prayed about everything, we'd never do anything, right? And, and so it raises the question, what should we pray about? What should we, th what should we seek God's wisdom over? Because in practicality, um, we don't pray about everything. Like, in the sense of, I think what Paul means in Philippians was, man, Pray for about, about everything in, in your life. He's not saying pray about every decision you have to make. Like, don't pray thinking that God's going to reveal everything to you because there's some common sense here. There's some non-moral decisions that you and I make all the time. 
And, and I asked the question, God, do you care about me, about the RV that I'm going to apparently buy for my mother-in-law? She gave me a check for. Does God care about that? I, there's part of me that says, well, he cares about us. He loves us, you know, uh, but does he care about RVs? And there's a part of me that says no. So wrestling with that, that question, it's, it's a huge question. But then in the big questions, like who should I marry? Some of you, some of you might right now, just using the, the illustration of a job, Maybe you've been given this job offer here. Or maybe you're a contractor. You've got three different things that you have to think about this week. Which one should I do first? Which job should I take? Uh, that, that seems to be a bigger question. Should God, is God going to lead me to decide to which decision to make there? It, it's, it's a big, big, big question. And so most of us, in the bigger decisions, we pray over it. God, should I take that job? God, should I uh, go to that college? Uh, maybe some of the graduating seniors are asking that question right now. Maybe they've already applied and they've already found their college. Uh, should I buy that car? Should I rent that apartment instead of that apartment if I can find an apartment? Uh, all the big questions. We certainly pray for God's wisdom and leading in those things, don't we? If I ask some of the bigger decisions, how many you prayed over, I bet most of the hands would go up. right? Because we, we, we want God's insight. We want his direction. We want his leading. We want him to tell us what to do. Does, does God tell us what to do is, is the question. In, in what way does he tell us what to do? Now, here's where a lot of people start praying, uh, start thinking about things, and start wrestling with things. And they, they, this is where people start coming to see the pastor. Hey, I need guidance on God's guidance. I need, I need help to know, to discern the will of God, Pastor Duran. Uh, and so it becomes very important to think about this and, and work through this. Um, I am praying about God uh, as we go look at RVs. You know, and maybe through this, someone's going to say, I've got an RV for you, Duran. I'll go look at the RV and I'm going to pray about it. Hey, should I buy that RV or not, Lord? Right? Uh, but the strange thing is, in my experience, maybe you're more intuitive than me. Maybe you're closer to Jesus than I am. Or you're walking with the Spirit in, in, in more of a lockstep to His rhythm and His cadence. He, he, you know, you're listening to Him better than I do. But oftentimes when I ask these questions, I don't get answers. Okay? I, I oftentimes don't get direct answers. I don't, get, I don't get these things, you know, like if I prayed about long enough, if I put 5.2 hours praying, I'm guaranteed an answer. No, <laughs> I'm not. But here's, here's what, what typically happens. Uh, <clears throat> when, when big decisions have to be made, uh, people start to get frustrated after a while. I, I prayed to God, and I'm just I, coming up crickets, Jeron. I, I'm cup, I, he's not saying anything to me. Am I doing something wrong? Am, am, I, am I mistaken here? Uh, am I, am I, is there sin in my life? You know, all, all these questions, they come to me. And, and, and oftentimes in church history and even today, what, what, maybe you go read a book. Like I was looking at different books that I have on my shelf this week. I, 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 I spent a lot of time reading a book by Dr. Charles Stanley, who recently passed away, one of my favorite Baptist pastors, about the, the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> maybe you go read a book uh, and, you, and you look into these different things. And what you often hear is, Yes, God has an individual will for your life. Yes, God has a certain thing that he wants you to do in every situation. Yeah, if you were disciplined enough, if you were 
had enough time, you, you should pray over the clothes you wear because God has an individual will even for that. And, uh, and, and so we, well, what does that look like? How does God speak? And that's where we get into some subjectivity. Because again, oftentimes, I want the, the audible voice of God, and, and I, I almost never get the audible voice of God. I want the embossed letter from heaven saying, do this, John, buy this RV, and I almost never get that. And so what a pastor will tell you, what maybe I've told people before, and, and I'm questioning it now to a certain degree, is, uh, well, you pray about it, and then you listen for the still, small voice, right? Um, uh, back in the Old Testament, um, one of the saints heard a still, small voice. Or we're told uh, what you do is, is you listen to God speaking into your heart, God uh, speaking into your spirit. Well, how do I do that, John? And I'll say, I don't know. That's what I've heard all my life since I became a Christian that God speaks through your feelings. God will meet you as you pray. He doesn't come out in a bold voice, but his pattern is, is, to, um, is to make it understand, understandable in your heart, and we don't know how to use words to describe that, to the point where you'll have peace. And once you have peace about a decision, you can go that way or you can go that way. Now, okay, so applying that to, to my current small, small problem or my current small decision-making, uh, according to that wisdom, I'm going to pray to God, and as I go look at RVs, if I, if I have a prompting in my heart, what, what is the heart, by the way? It's the, it's the information center, it's the deciding center, biblically speaking, of making decisions. In the Old Testament, that's the way it's kind of described. I, in my heart, I, I'm supposed to get a prompting, or I'm supposed to get a feeling, I'm supposed to get some kind of emotion that leads me to uh, have peace about buying that. Now, I don't know about you, maybe, maybe you're very intuitive, you're very feelings-oriented, but I'm, I'm much more logical and rational, and, and I struggle with that subjectivity. I want an objective word from God that I can measure, that I can know for sure, because my feelings come and go. Right? My, my, my emotions, like last night I slept terribly and I woke up emotional and grumpy. Right? But other days I sleep well like a little baby and I'm happy and, and everything's going well and I see, I see, you know, chipmunks dancing and birds singing and everything like that. And, and maybe my feelings like, oh, that looks like a great RV. Yeah. But maybe if I looked at our RV today, I'd be like, that's a piece of junk. Right? But so the, the kind of the, the way you hear sometimes, and I, I'm, I am getting to some points here, if you bear with me. Uh, sometimes you hear, well, you got to let God speak to your spirit. you got to let God speak to your heart. And then you're supposed to discern what he wants with that still, small voice. And you're supposed to look at external signs. You know, I, I've got books on my shelf where this, this, is, this is the description. Very subjective. So you watch for open doors. You watch for closed doors. Okay, so maybe we're going to go up to South Fork and we're going to look at that little RV place up there. And we're, What if a deer crosses my path and I, and I hit the deer? Is that a closed door that I shouldn't go to that RV dealer? That's what we're told to do. You're looking for all the circumstances that come together, all the external circumstances, and we are told that we're supposed to use our wisdom and our discernment and our logic 
to say that circumstance and that circumstance plus that circumstance equals God saying that, plus my interior feelings, my interior desires, my interior sense of God speaking to my heart. I'm supposed to look at that and put those two things together, and by my discernment, I'm supposed to come up with the will of God. Now, of course, I, 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 if we had more time, we could dive in uh, more in depth on that. We could look at more scriptures. Like Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he'll make your paths straight. Amen. Tell me what that means. <laughs> My path straight. King James Version said he'll direct your path. Okay? So tell me what that means. Uh, it, the, the, the interpretation of that verse is that if you acknowledge God's ways, you listen to his teachings, you listen to his moral will, his revealed will, he'll give you success in the Old Testament sense of success of life. He'll make the way smooth for you. He'll open up the way for you. Uh, but, but you see that the issue here is that when it, because my issue is I read verses about the heart is deceitful above all things, is beyond cure. Who can understand it? Now, I have a redeemed heart in Jesus Christ, but I'm still a sinner. I still selfishly choose things sometimes. And, but, and so the, the traditional wisdom is kind of like this. You're supposed to listen with your heart. You're supposed to go on emotions and the feelings till you get to a sense of peace. And if you get a sense of peace, then you're supposed to go that way. But what if I'm deceiving myself? You see, that the issue that I have with that idea is it's so subjective. Subjective in, on the day of the decision, man, I'm, I, my hormones might be raging. I don't know if guys have hormones that rage, but they might be going crazy. You know, I might have gotten a fight with my wife that day. I might, might have won the lottery that day. Uh, my, I'm supposed to look at my gut, look at my heart, process things through my emotions. Those seem so deceptive to me. Is that really God's voice, or is that just upset stomach from the enchilada last night? I'm serious. How do you tell the difference? Well, if you're a mature Christian, you'll certainly know the difference, drawn. Maybe you're just not mature. Well, maybe I'm not. But really, mature Christians, uh, you feel like you have it 100% all the time. You know when God's speaking, when God isn't speaking. Do you know when God's speaking, when it's Satan speaking? I, I, I would challenge that anyone here would, would say, yeah, all the time I know that. But let, let's have a talk if that's you. So we come to that, that, this issue and this dilemma, this, this, this challenge. And uh, really, when, when I think about it, I think the, that, that way of thinking, I don't think that's biblical. Now, there's, there's some solid things to it. There's some solid ideas behind there. You know, we're supposed to be led by the Spirit, and so we can run down that path, and that's a, that's a whole other sermon, right? What does it mean to be led by the Spirit? Led into what? Well, the Spirit leads us into truth. The Spirit brings to, to revelation God's Word to us. It illuminates the Scripture that's already given. Uh, we can run down that path a lot. Uh, what I see in the Scripture here is, is uh, and again, this, this is, again, a small, small study, but I see these guys making decisions... They have the freedom to choose what to do. But on the big end, God has already told them what to do. Now, now step back with me again. 
uh, when, when God in, in Acts 13, as, as it's in our text here, God told them, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul. Set apart these men for me. God told them to go on a missionary journey. God revealed his will. God told them what to do. When we come to the Bible, what do we have? We have God telling us what to do. Uh, our problem is we often don't listen to the Bible. We often don't study the Bible. Many of the people today, Christians, have never read through the Bible wholly. They, maybe they haven't even read through the Old Testament. Uh, they, they've never even looked at an Old Testament book, except for Psalms, maybe. Uh, what I'm saying is, God has already revealed His will. God, his, his moral will. He's already told us what is right and what's wrong. He's already given us instructions. And, we're, and, and you say, well, Jeron, uh, the Bible is so limited. No, it's not. It's, it's not. Second Peter 1.3, God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Everything we need for life and godliness. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, correcting, and rebuking, and training in righteous, righteousness so that the man of God is thoroughly equipped for every good work. We, we, and, and so what, I, what I'm getting at is that Paul and Barnabas, you know, we, we look at this decision they make, and, and they're like, uh, let's go. Let, let's go back and let's disciple people again. Let's share the gospel again. Let's, let's, let's build people up again and edify again. And, and part of me is like, well, um, did, did, did you ask God about that? And maybe Paul would say, why would I have to ask God about that? He's already told me to do it. Just to, to bring some of these things to uh, a head, uh, God has given us his revealed will already. We have so much... So much in the Bible, he's told us what our attitudes should be like. He's told us how we should treat people. He's told us so many common things we should avoid. I mean, you start thinking about what the Word of God has given us, it's, it's like encyclopedic. As you start looking at all the ways that God has spoken, he's told us what to do. He's already told you, old man, what to do and how to live, how to live in his world, how to live in his his system. And so what I'd like to propose to you, and you can test it out, you can read about it more, you can study it more, uh, that we have already been told uh, what to do. God has given us his moral will. Uh, should, I, should I cheat on my taxes in 2024? No, because God has already told me not to cheat, not to steal. Should I love my neighbor across the street who blares their music at 11 p.m. at night? Yes, because God has already told me what to do that I should love my neighbor. Now I can talk to my neighbor about turning the music down. God's given us wisdom on that as well. In non-moral decisions, that's point one, that God's given us his will. In non-moral decisions, like... Uh, <clears throat> Do I, have, do, I, do I have to pray about choosing my socks? God has already given me the freedom to decide. God has already given me the freedom to choose. Because, look at it this way. 
Within the moral will of God, imagine a, a circle here. God has said, don't go outside of this boundary. Don't commit adultery. The big ones don't steal. You know, you know, uh, uh, don't, you know, honor father and mother, the Ten Commandments. He's given us big boundaries. And within the Ten Commandments, he's given all these other commandments. Okay? You don't go outside that boundary. But when you're within the will of God, so you study the word, you understand the word, as Paul and Barnabas did, they knew God's will already. They can have the freedom to go there or go there. They, they have the freedom to go to Phrygia or they have the freedom to go to Myasia unless God gives a direct command as he did in verses 6 through 10. Is that making sense? You have the freedom in Jesus Christ within the moral will of God in non-moral decisions to do what you think is best. Uh, so think about it this way. Uh, you have this job offer and you have this job offer. Maybe both of the job offers are godly companies. Maybe both of them, you can share your faith there. You, you, can, uh, you can walk with Jesus there. You can love your, your fellow employees there. Okay, they're both with, they, they both pay the bills. They, they're both good places to work. But one, maybe it comes up after a while, though, as you're deciding, uh, they, we, they've got a reputation of cheating, they have a reputation of ripping off customers. Maybe if you go to work there, they're going to expect you to rip off customers too. That moves that outside of the will of God, the revealed will of God. Thou shall not cheat. Thou shall not lie. Thou shall not steal, right? Uh, but if they're both within the will of God, I think, you know, biblically, you have the freedom to choose. You have the freedom to choose. I, unless God, and I see this is a beautiful thing. There's God's moral will. There's God's sovereign will, right, that, uh, that, that he guides us in. He's given us his moral will. The problem is we don't know what God has said. The problem is we have all these instructions and all these commands and all these, these wisdom teachings that we don't understand. We, we don't get it, and so we're confused. When God says, hey, walk in my ways, when you walk in my ways, Things will go well. Okay? When you walk in my ways, the paths will become straight in your eyes. Uh, but we, we come to this and, okay, like, so God, you're giving me the, the idea I can choose from that job and that job with, within your moral will? Yes, but what if I make a mistake? Well, God is sovereign, isn't he? Now, his sovereign will, we don't understand his plans. He has a plan for you. He has a plan. He has ordained certain things. He has decreed certain things but he often doesn't tell us. Uh, Philippians 2.13, man, he's, he's working in you to will and work according to his plan. You can, that, I, I, that paraphrased that a little bit. Uh, that one just came to mind. Uh, you can look at that. God is working in your life, and so I can trust his sovereign guidance in my life. But within his sovereign guidance, within his moral will, I have the freedom to go there or there. And we, and we see it in the text. Until, until God says, Jerron, maybe, maybe I'm making an offer on that RV tomorrow or, or maybe next week or whatever. And he says, Jerron, no. He still reserves the right to do that. But I don't expect him to speak to matters where he's already given me freedom. He's already given you freedom to live in certain ways. He's already said no to living in certain ways. Our job is to come within the moral will of God and then choose according to what's best. Uh, case in point, 
And I never go over on sermons, but just, just today, let, let me do it. Uh, Paul says, let's go make disciples. Timothy, I want you to come with me. Let's, let's go serve people. Let's go love people. Let's go build up the church. And so, well, what, what's the best way to go about this? Uh, Timothy, um, I think you need to get circumcised. Timothy says, well, that seems prudent and rational. Uh, there's, there's nothing wrong about that, is there? No, nothing wrong about that. That's, you know, we do all things for all people to win some to Christ. Uh, that seems rational. That seems logical. Do we have the freedom to do that? Yeah, there, we're not breaking any laws. We're not breaking any commands here. We're, we're trying to glorify God the best we can. We're trying to honor God the best we, way we can. And, and he's already given us his will. You know, if we're going to pray about it and seek it out, you know, he, he's probably not going to answer because he's already told us that we're free to do it. Or with John, Mark, or Silas. Uh, another example. Uh, hey, we should take John, Mark with us on the mission journey. And, and Paul's saying, no. Barnabas is a lover of people. He, he's so concerned about people's heart and spirit. We've got to give him a second chance. But Paul's criteria is, hey, we, we've already been told to go, uh, and we have the freedom to choose who we want to take with us. And based upon John Mark's spiritual qualifications at this point, he hasn't been faithful, he hasn't been loyal, he hasn't persevered in past times, I say we don't take him on the trip. Did, did, did he pray about it? Well, that's the other component here. The Bible certainly tells us to pray for wisdom. We are to seek wisdom. We are to pursue wisdom. You know, the book of Proverbs, man, when we went through that sermon series on Proverbs, it was all about wisdom, about, man, pursue wisdom, find wisdom. Do whatever you can to find God's way. Right? Wisdom, again, the best ends and the best means to get there. Kind of a deal. So certainly within our freedom to choose, I'm going to pray for God's wisdom on which our vita to buy. Not only am I going to pray for wisdom, and, and James tells us, man, when, when you ask, don't be double-minded. Pray in faith. We pray in faith for wisdom. And so when I pray for wisdom, I know God is going to work in me to, to make good decisions, God-honoring decisions. But I also use common sense, like, uh, hey, that RV has a leak in the roof. Uh, God, do you want me to do that? you want me to buy it? <laughs> well, again, he's giving me the freedom. Use common sense. I'm going to study. I'm going to do the research. I'm going to get the advice of counselors. Some of you have bought RVs. I might come and ask you, what do you think? That's wisdom. Wisdom, applied wisdom to life. But the big thing is, God has given us his word. Are we walking in it? God has given us his word. Are we living within his revealed will or not? Once you decide to live within his will, to do what he's told you to do, then, brothers and sisters, we are not only free to choose, we're responsible to choose. We must choose. Just make sure you're within the will of God. Now, when, when, you, when you get ready to choose, pray for wisdom. Seek out wisdom but choose the best end according to what you see. By God's grace, it'll turn out well. Uh, that's a short course today in decision-making the will of God. If you want to talk to me more this week or you want to meet about some particular thing, my door's open. I'd love to, to walk with you through some, some of your decisions and choices you're making. But please stand in the presence of the Lord as we end this service. Uh, Lord God Almighty, <clears throat> uh, we are grateful that you've met with us today.
that you've been here today, that you've welcomed sinners, that you've welcomed us into your, your, your presence, that you've loved us, that you've spoken to us, we, we hope. Lord, we, 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 we thank you for your grace in our lives. And thank you for letting us worship you today. Be magnified, Lord. Be exalted, Lord. And as we go into the world this week, we pray for your wisdom to know how to live, how to live well, how to choose what's right, how to avoid what's wrong, to the, with the purpose being, Lord, to glorify you, to honor you, to make much of you in the world, because you're worthy, Lord. So we ask for your, your, to you to send us out, you to use us this week, you to be magnified through us this week, you to be loved this week. And may more and more people come to know you. May more and more worshipers arise to your glory, to your honor, to your praise. Love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go in the way of the Lord by his power and his grace. God bless you.